Are you living the crazy life of a sports parent? This is Sports Parenthood, the podcast packed with cool conversations with sports people, coaches and professionals for rookie sports parents just like you. You'll hear nuggets of gold in every episode with your hosts, fellow sports parents, John and Tiffany Bonacera. Before we introduce you to this week's guest, we wanted to tell you about a fantastic episode on the podcast, Trained. The episode is titled, How Sports Help Kids Win at Life. On the show, sports psychologist and parenting expert, Dr. Jim Taylor, talks about some things that we found really interesting, Tiff. Yeah, we did. And we think you will too, including the importance of parents or a parental figure on creating positive sports experiences for kids. He says parents play the most fundamental role and impact which can be so powerfully positive or powerfully destructive. He uses a phrase, the youth sports industrial complex, to describe the culture among many sports parents, where it's no longer about fun, physical activity, teamwork and camaraderie. It's about helping them become professional athletes. It's a thought-provoking listen. But back to our conversation today on sports parenthood, and it has everything to do with the influence a parent has had on helping a child win at life. In this episode, Martin Pickup reflects on what it's like growing up with a parent who's a well-known sports person and the lessons, inspiration and perks that shaped his childhood. His dad, Tim Pickup, led an extraordinary life. He was a superstar of rugby league in the 1970s, where he played 11 tests for the Kangaroos, as well as being a key player at both North Sydney and Canterbury-Bankstown, where he captained the team. In the year 2000, Tim was awarded the Order of Australia Medal for Services to Australian Sport. He passed away earlier this year. Martin has such fond memories of his dad, who just loved sport. He was just fascinated of the, the contests, you know, between different athletes. He just loved the, that aspect of things. Like, you know, he loved Borg versus McEnroe. He loved, he loved Formula One and Alain Prost versus Ayrton Senna. The Olympics were always a highlight. His working year, if, during an Olympic year, he'd make sure, like, he'd, he'd, he'd have time off over the Olympics and he'd be taping every event that he was interested in with his VHS. With the curiosity that took him to all corners of the globe, chasing sporting insight. He went to Africa for a year. Oh, and, right. and one of the things he did, he went to Ethiopia and tracked down Gabriel Selassie <laughs> training, you know, and this is between his two gold medals. And he was boxer Jeff Harding's manager when he won the WBC World Light Heavyweight title in 1989. To this day, it's my father's greatest sporting highlight, you know, above playing for Australia himself. Wherever you're listening to the show, get ready for an episode packed with stories, tales told from a perspective we haven't heard before on Sports Parenthood, from a son who has a deep appreciation and sense of gratitude for the love and adventures he had with his dad. And a legacy that's helping him sports parent his own four kids. Here's Martin. I was into rugby league, athletics, surfing, skateboarding, boxing. I got into athletics early. Like my, my dad was fanatical about fun runs and stuff. So he, he got me into it as a youngster and um, we uh, did all the circuits. Like it, it, there's a um, circuit each each uh, season that uh, all fun runs that culminate with, with the city to surf. And so we're doing, you know, just little runs and building it up and, 
no, I was only really young at this stage. Like I, I started, uh, my dad would train like in the um, in the summer months. He'd go on these uh, run these bush um, trails through uh, Lane Cove oh, National yeah, yeah. Park. It's lovely there. So he'd take me, and they'd run like right on dawn, and they they'd take off and just say, "I oh, will see you when we're running back." So I'd be running through the forest by myself. And- <laughs> And and so it was quite scary, but it was, uh, you know. It's quite scary. No doubt. No doubt. But you knew that they were coming back towards you at some point. Yeah, the first time was great. (laughs) They'd come back and so, but then, uh, you know, I got to know all those guys, my dad's mates who he used to play rugby league with and, you know, they were just fanatical trainers and so, then we got into the winter season with all the, the fun running and everything. And so you'd start, you know, there'd be, you know, uh, runs from Narrabeen to Manly and, you know, even longer than that, there'd be uh, bridge to breakers. I remember that. From Luna Park to Manly Surf Club, but Sutherland yeah. to surf from, you know, from out at Sutherland all the way Canola to Beach. Canola Beach. And uh, the Nosh yeah. run from Linfield. Osman, wasn't it? Where you cross the... Um, no, you you cross the Roseville Bridge, then you go underneath it, then worm your way through the bush and end up at Seaforth oh, Oval. Yeah, okay, yep. And, uh, and then you'd have the week before the city, uh, you do the bay the yep. bay run. Well, I got uh, got a little bit of info for you on the bay run, mate. We'll talk about that in Tip, a minute. Tiff's the female uh, record holder. Well, not currently, but I was at one point. That's impressive because <laughs> I've, I've done that a lot and. And then that, everyone would taper off before the city to surf mm-hmm. with that, and then and uh, just because it was this was six yeah, or seven basically hard, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then you'd do this city to surf. So, you know, Dad was always sort of helping me along, and so I was eight years old at this stage, and then I went to uh, we went to the city to surf. It's a freezing uh, winter's morning. I remember this vividly because it was uh, I was traumatized at the time. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's not like actually a, funny, but the way you it's tell like it's a, funny. It's like a mad wind tunnel there too, isn't it? Like it, it's dark and it's dim. Lining and then, up at College Street. Yeah, there. yeah, it's full on. I, I got to work out that, you know, everyone garbage wears bags. it's cold. It, yeah, the garbage bags or their clothes. That they never want to yes. Correct. Away, yes. Charity. So, like, everyone's wearing those and you know, that they're going to discard and then the charities come around and pick them up. And I'm gathering you didn't have a jumper on, Martin. No. <laughs> <laughs> there was no discarding. You were just freezing from the start. <laughs> and so what my dad used to do, he used to go up, like, to the start of the city to surf, but instead of joining the line, he used to hang a block down from where the start was, wait for the gun to go, then wait for the crazies to just sprint past and then he'd yep. jump in. So that's what happened. And then he goes, I'll see you at the end. And I said, what, what, what are you talking about? Aren't, aren't we running? <laughs> I said, aren't we running together? And he said, no, 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 I've got a, I've got a time to get. Oh, you got to go. I'll, I'll, I'll see you there. And he took off. And I'm just... <laughs> Do you remember how you felt as a little eight-year-old in this huge crowd of runners? Oh, I just was running for my—I was running for my life down William Street. I know, I know. To the Coke sign. You get to the Coke sign and you and you find out you're less than a kilometre, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Oh my gosh! That's 
it was mental. But the thing was, before I even got to the Coke sign, I slipped on a garbage bag that was discarded. Oh. And but the thing was, I never touch a ground because it's about like ten different arms grabbed me before oh, I wow. hit it. And just kept me That's up. That's pretty Amazing. cool. Yeah, but it was like I was that little mascot running down the street. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> so I ended up running it, and 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 so I came to Bondi. But there's Dad waiting for me, and that was That's the first. Cool. Of, I ended up running about. Oh, it was it was a crazy day, but you know, Dad's going, "Oh, how'd you like it?" And I said, "Well, you're going to run it with me next time." <laughs> <laughs> now, how did he go? He said he yeah. was after a particular time. What, 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 what did that look like? So he was he was obsessed with with breaking fifty minutes, but uh, forty eight was his aim. He just wanted to get in the forty eight bracket. And he he was that was his white whale. Like he he was fanatical about it. But this one, the closest he came was one one year. Starter was taking his time, so everyone just started running. So he shot the shot the uh, the gun, and uh, they they claimed it was a uh, you know everyone ran, couldn't stop the masses once they got going. Uh-huh. So my dad ended up getting like forty eight minutes thirty or something like that, and. Uh, but then they docked everyone two minutes for the <laughs> just Sorry, it's not funny because it would be heartbreaking. And I think back then they kind of printed the names in the Sydney Morning Herald they or do. one of the papers. They do, all on so a big list. Do you remember that everyone scoured yeah. the and names? Yeah, scroll, scroll down looking for your, your name and your time. Yeah, absolutely, because yeah, that was that was the payday for me. That's how I wanted to see my name. Exactly. <laughs> so then is that when your dad realised or did they realise soon after the race finished that they um, that they had done that? Uh, I can't remember. I was too young at that stage, but that was the closest he ever went. He was all—he never went that fast again, and and just always had something to say about the the Lord man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so, so Martin, I can see that you've done a lot of running, uh, you know, and you're involved in athletics, as you mentioned, through your dad. And, and, you know, it sounds like he was a role model, you know, you were eight years old at that time. What other, what other sports did you get into and how did that play out? Well, I got into rugby league, like through, through my dad, but the thing was with him, he, he never pushed me. Like I, I actually asked him if I could play and I still remember his face when I asked him, his, his face lit up because you know, he he uh, wasn't one of those guys that just that pushed me like or pushed us into anything. It was he encouraged us, whatever we're into, we got to follow it. And you know, he he also taught me how how to surf and and uh, but he he was just fanatical about sports in general. So I just I fed off that, and he he was up at all hours watching all kinds of things. You know, European sport, you know, Helsinki marathons, you know, Formula One racing, and you know, just French Open tennis. He was just up watching everything, uh, Tour de France. He, he just loved, um, you know, competition and, and uh, he, he loved athletes just seeing. He loved the mental side of things. And so we, we, I was just always, you know, he, he showed me, him and my uncle were both fanatical about NFL, American football. And, mm-hmm. and I just assumed everyone's family was like that, but it turns out we were the strange ones. <laughs> <laughs> Na- naturally, your dad... Uh, and obviously you lent towards rugby league given he was a first grader for a long time at the Canterbury Bulldogs and went on to represent his country. 
obviously not every child has that opportunity. Can you share some of the experiences and what that was like being around, you know, semi-professional athletes, which were the, the full-time version then, even though they were working concurrently with being professional footballers, what, what that was like? Dad retired in 79 and he went straight onto the board for at the Bulldogs in 1980 and he, he'd be there for the next 15 years and, and it was during that time I got to be his shadow like from when I was a very little kid and, and we'd go wherever Canterbury were playing, home and away, I'd be with him and we'd go from ground to ground and, you know, I just loved it, you know, and, and I was such a regular that I was the emergency ball boy, you know. if, if, if some, Nice. If someone couldn't make it, I'd, like they knew I was in the stands and I'd, I'd get to go and do that too and, and I was always begging my dad to, you know, commit to like so I could be a full time one. But you know, we, we were living at Manly, and you know, he's, he's, he didn't want to get there as early as I had to get there. So he just made like he just said, "Be happy with just going to the game." Very cool. What was it like? I guess you know, amongst your peers, you know, it, it would be how, how did that how did that work out? Were they interested? Did they ask you questions? You know, how did you fit in at you know primary school? Did, were they you know excited that you were involved in rugby league and perhaps your dad was a a well known player at the time? I still remember being in kindergarten and all the sixth graders making a big deal of because they had my dad's footy card. Oh, yeah. That wow. is cool. And now, that is a very cool thing to happen. Yeah. Footy cards were massive <laughs> in the late 70s, early 80s. <laughs> was it a positive experience in general, it sounds like? Were there, were there any, was there anything about it that was tricky or difficult for you growing up? Uh, no, not really. I was uh, I was very very proud ha- having him as my dad. But like it, it, it was a, a life of privilege, really. Like wherever we went, you know, everyone's you know legends of the game. You know, would, would come and you know go out of the way just to say hello to dad. And you know, dad would always introduce me. And you know, and there were lots of perks. You know, when <laughs> when he was, uh, you know, there was the one game I was playing a junior reps game and. And uh, after the game, Reg Gaznia came over and introduced himself to me because he wow he he thought you know he having an unusual surname like I have you know he came over and, and saw Dad with me had a chat and you know that that would never happen if it wasn't for my dad and mm-hmm. and uh, you know like met Clive Churchill and you know just even wow. after yeah it was, it was that's a big wow yeah and 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 I I've got a my friend um, Brett Delmish, to this day, every time he has a few drinks, still reminds us that we met we met uh, Clive Churchill together. That's a cool story, but I guess you know you mentioned that you're reps there, Martin. I'm keen to understand you know what it was like for you in forging your own sporting career. What it was like, you know, uh, did you feel pressure? Did you you know h- how did you feel about that? Every everybody knew who I was wherever I went. You know, in, when, if we're playing football. You know, it just, um, you know, and that's the thing. It was, uh, you know, my dad never pushed me into anything. You know, he just let me do my own thing. And and that, and I respect that. Like I, I sort of see the way some parents carry on, you know, just, just the way he was about it all. He, he, he didn't want to put any pressure on me. And, uh, and so, you know, that's the way it was. But also he, he used, he knew how much I loved football as well. So it wasn't like he was dragging me to the games and stuff. Mm. But he even used football, like playing rugby league, he used it to discipline me. Like he, he had me, um, 
you know, when I was misbehaving as a teenager, he actually like stood me down a couple of games, you know, to the point where, you know, other coaches are finding out that, you know, that, that he's doing that, you know, coming up and asking my coach, you know, whether I'm playing or not. I was a headache and my, my uh, parents tried everything they could. And, uh, and then they just worked out, they struck gold knowing that I, they'd sort of toe the line a bit more if, if uh, you know, if they took football from me. But, uh, you know, I, I still just remember this one time that just going, Dad, this coach just came over and asked my coach whether I was playing. Like, everyone knows what you're doing. And he goes, good. <laughs> he goes, why don't you wake up to yourself and behave it? <laughs> and did you? No, I ended up at boarding school. <laughs> Look, mate, clearly your dad it was a wonderful influence on your youth and has helped guide you to the man you are now. Other than him... Who were your main supporters throughout your adolescence and, you know, how did that broader support help you achieve your own goals in sport? Uh, absolutely my mum. Like she she used to drive me to training, to everywhere. She was there when I had all injuries. and You know, she, she was the unsung hero. You know, she was great. And and my grandfather as well. He, he was he was my, my biggest fan. He, he used to go and watch every game I played in, even school games and you know, he, he even, when I was a kid, used to paint my footballs. He used to paint perfect stripes on my footballs so they looked like the... the, the um, NRL balls. Yeah, the Am- Amco Cup. Well, the, yep. You know, the, the mid... I know exactly what you're talking the, about. The Wednesday night football. The brown the brown leather balls with the white stripes. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, he just feeded on He saw me getting a taste of it. And, you know, he was a big part of my dad's career as well. You know, he, he, he founded the club my dad played for and... You know, he, he was a president for six years, so he was like a massive, you know, he ran everything. You know, even at my grandfather's funeral, there'd be, you know, there were guys at the funeral that, you know, when they were kids said that, you know, they were, you know, had a single mother that was raising them, but my my grandfather would go and pick them up and take them to games that, you know, that my dad and, and my uncles weren't involved in, you know, he'd just be like a shuttle service for kids that couldn't make it. And then there were all these guys with the same story at his funeral saying, you know, that, that, that you know, what, what a good guy my grandfather was and what he did for them. The mere uh, fact that they were there without even telling the story oh, is wow. enough, isn't it? Yeah. A great story, particularly when I, I do think that, you know, opportunity is a big part in sport. It's massive. You know, and for someone to sort of read into that and make that opportunity happen for some kids that perhaps may not have had that opportunity otherwise is a real legacy. Absolutely. And that, that's what it's – the volunteers make, make sports go in, in juniors and mm. especially rugby league, mm. you know. It's, it's such a big thing. There's so many unsung heroes everywhere. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it is. And, it, and it's often obviously as – it, most people know, and clearly those who follow rugby league, it, it's born of lower socioeconomic origins and it is, a, in inverted commas, a, a tough sport. It's a very physical sport and for those that can't get there or can't get a lift or can't get to training or can't afford rego or can't afford footy boots, mm-hmm. the volunteers and, and donations and people that are willing to help out are, are central to that, aren't they? Look, I think you've got stories coming out of every part of you. I mean, you've got cool and funny stories. Uh, having a think through uh, your, you know, that kind of period, and you've mentioned some of them. Do any others stand out to you? And w- perhaps some that have really influenced, um, you know, where you are today. Uh, the the big thing when, when I was a kid that I really appreciate now is just the way my dad behaved, his demeanour on the sidelines, you know, and 
And it was pretty cool because I, I, um, I grew up with Paul Hogan's son, Scott, and he was in my team and my dad and him, they, they, uh, Paul Hogan and my dad would watch games together. They'd just be by themselves, just talking. You'd, you just never heard a word from them, you know, and even, you know, as I was growing up, my dad would be a touch judge, you know, linesman, and uh, he'd run the lines and stuff. But, you know, I, I never, ever heard him say anything, you know, anything from the sidelines, you know, negative or positive. It was, he just kept to himself. I tried to be a, a, a similar parent, you know, in that aspect. I, I really appreciated the way he held himself, you know, because I see some maniacs on the sideline, you know, watching their kids and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have one, one friend in particular that was is just a nightmare, you know. And and I, I used to I went and saw him play his son play, and after the game I said, "Oh, what'd you think?" And I said, "Well, he went really well, but I was very unhappy with your behaviour. Like you were out of control. You're the worst parent I've ever seen." And, <laughs> <laughs> How did he take that? Uh, not well, but. <laughs> But, he, like, he asked me to come down and see, if, you know, see his son and see if I could, you know, help him with stuff. And, and so the, I said, I'll come back next week. But if you and you, you, you know, if, yep. if you misbehave like that, that again, it's going to be the last time, you know. That's the number one reason why kids don't play anymore is having, you know, crazy parents. And uh, so I went back the next week and and he was worse. And um, Sorry, it's not funny. <laughs> It's just well, the way you're telling well, the story. I, I, look, it's funny. It, it is funny in that someone's caught him out on it. That's yeah, true. All. Well, it's great. You know, he's calling his son's names, calling this other kid's name, and I just said, well, you know, what what is what does Freddie's parents have to say about this? And he said, oh, no, Freddie's my son's nickname. So he was alternating between both names just to even it up. Ah, so that they people thought that he was talking to other people as well. Jeez. I don't think he actually did that consciously. I think it was just the way he it came he out. Did. He, 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 did, he did it, but it's. Um, Has he curbed his behaviour? Are you still in in you know, contact with this person? Uh, we fell out after that, but uh, wow. but you know he, he but his son did get graded, and and so he was he went from junior reps and and uh, he, so he's he's played at a couple of NRL clubs now, so he's done really well. You know, just to, to get Excellent. beyond that. So, look, clearly you you have been able to sit down and reflect on your youth and how it shaped you as a sports parent. You've already give us, given us some examples. What about, have you got any more any more funny stories about your own childhood, maybe being athletics or footy or any other type of sport where you've had some uh, interesting things? Dad was inclusive. Uh-huh. He 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 worked at North Sydney, and he he used to take a circuit class at Newtown Police Boys in the in the early eighties, and uh, and he used to come from North Sydney to Brookvale, where I was at school, pick me up, and then go back to Newtown. And that's a fair trip. That that yeah, that's that aspect. It would have been just as easy for him just to go from North Sydney to Newtown. It would have taken him ten minutes, but he had to battle back to Brookvale, get me, go to go to Newtown, so he could do this circuit class. And this circuit class he took was forty minutes with um, with free weights, mm. like five pound weights in each hand, and it, and it was forty minutes long without stopping. But it was just by the end of the forty minutes, those five pound weights just felt like they were a hundred. And he had 
the best boxers in Australia doing the class because he was just a massive fitness fanatic and he was always believing, like he was friends with John Lewis. Very famous boxing coach. Yeah, and so he was always on about, he loved boxing, loved it. And he was, um, he was always adamant that if you're doing boxing, you just got to be fit before anything. You know? yeah. And the fittest guys are going to be the best guys, you know, because a, a good fit guy is going to be like an unfit. Yep. And, and uh, so, so he, he used to take this class and there'd be, you know, Jeff Fennick, Jeff Harding, Joe Bugner. Oh, well. You know, and That's there'd be nice. first, grade, yeah, first grade footballers doing it as well. And so... So he'd take me over and, and you know, Pat Jarvis was, a, yeah. he was, a, he was a policeman at Newtown Police Boys. Okay. Was, was still was, playing uh, at the Dragons then probably? Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, Steve Mortimer used to do it, Billy Johnston. Far out. And so they'd all turn up and there, there was a young Geordie Peets. He was boxing yeah. at that stage before he decided to uh, play NRL. His son is and, still around? Yeah, he, yeah, Nathan. Nathan was there in in, in a little um, like a like it was like a little uh, bassinet. He used to take him to training when he was a baby. Well, he's gone on to play a lot of NRL himself, hasn't he? Yeah, he's playing in England right now. But uh, yeah, it was this. It was a torturous class, and that's what that and 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 the boxers and John Lewis loved having the boxers do it, and they, everyone hated it, but that they knew it was good yeah. for him. But at the same time, when it, when they'd be occupied there, John Lewis would take me, and and he did that for years, like uh, you know, from when I was ten onwards, you know, to late teens. So it was it was such a privilege, you know, just having the Australia's greatest ever trainer, you know, just able to take me, and you know, even when I did uh, sprint training, like uh, at Rotary Field, used to do it with um, Reg Austin. And uh, he he used to take us, and Phil Blake would be in the the, the sprint class, and there's a blast. You know, yeah, and and it was it was just such like all these different things, you know. If I was into something, he knew someone that was involved, you know, and it was um, he'd always hook it up, and like uh, even with when he was training with boxing at the start when Dad started training, Jeff Fennick was an amateur. And and he made the Australian team right before the '84 Olympics. And you know, in the year before any Olympics, you know, you, you in any sport, you're travelling to different yep. events, there's tune-ups for their for whatever your sport is. And so Jeff Fennick would be going to all different parts of the world for these uh, world titles. You know, tuning up for the Olympics, and he'd bring back the posters, and he'd give one to me. I, I had the best collection, and. Uh, so when he actually made the Olympics, uh, my dad called the teachers at my school and said, look, Martin's got this friend that's in the Olympics and he's fighting. He found out through Channel 10 exactly when when they'd be fighting. And so the, my classmates, as a benefit, you know, because my teacher was cool, we all got to watch Jeff Fennick's fights as he went through the prelims. The yeah, good. Yeah. And and they'd have the you know the TV the AV TV on the stands that you wheel in and in and out of uh, classes, you know they wheel it in and you know my my class everyone was jealous of my class because we got to, <laughs> we got to watch we we stopped traffic to watch the, the Olympic boxing. Hey, that is a very so great. Do you remember who the teacher was? Uh, 
Yeah, uh, Paul McAlinden. There you go. Oh, <laughs> cool teacher. Caught me smoking in the toilets, actually. <laughs> Mr. McAlinden. Seriously. <laughs> Miss McAlinden, if you're hearing, I've given up, mate. Oh, <laughs> You oh, very cool. But that no, they're such good stories. So then I'm really keen to know, Martin, because uh, how you've turned out. Now tell us about your, your, you being a sports parent of yeah. your uh, four kids. Four kids, far out. They must be doing some activities. Yeah, they're into it. But that's that's the thing. I, I, uh, I let them sort of just come to it themselves, just like my dad did. You know, I, I showed them a lot of things. I, you know, we tried lots of different things, um, tennis, ballet, all kinds of stuff. But uh, it was uh, my second eldest daughter, like my kids are aged between four and ten, and my second eldest daughter came through um, with school. Her friends all decided they wanted to play touch football, so they played and they played soccer and my, my eldest daughter is two years older than her and she didn't want to know about sports. She was happy doing her own thing. But when she saw her younger sister mm. take up these uh, touch football and soccer, she said, I can do that. And and so she got involved herself. So I, I became involved coaching their teams and and um, in both sports and and they're right into it now. And my son, who's he's just turned seven, he's playing soccer and and uh, yeah, they're all into it. They're playing for three different clubs, but they they just went where their um, friends. You know, yeah, went went where their friends went, and uh, so it's been good. Um, you know, being being involved. You know, said so that's it's my favourite thing. Like I, I just I I don't understand parents that that you know don't get a thrill out of it because I just live for it. It's my favourite thing. My favourite sporting event. Just getting. Just seeing them compete and have fun, make friends, socialise, it's great. Now, you do have an interesting story, is my understanding, Martin, about um, stepping into a coaching role for, for one of your kids. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, coaching, uh, I was an assistant coach for my son's team. He's playing under sixes last year. And um, it was really good, you know, just seeing him and his friends, you know, playing soccer. And they, you know, they were playing with the four-leaf Clovers sometimes, you know, just not paying attention. But, you know, that's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> but, I love that aspect. But it was cool, you know, and then, uh, but then the, uh, his coach moved in a state and so everyone sort of turned to me, said, well, you know, you were there, can you do it? And I was sort of a bit hesitant about coaching him and, um, but I got into it and, uh, and went coaching him this year was really good at, um, it's really good coaching his team, but I soon learned that he wasn't really that happy with me being his coach. And you know, I was doing doing my um, doing my best, and but I just found that he was the only one that wasn't responding. You know, I, I wasn't ranting and ra- uh, raving on the sideline. I was just you know being encouraging. But whenever I said his name, he just he would shoot daggers at me like uh, you just. He'd glare at me, and so I just go, okay. He's been a bit precious, a bit touchy, and um, but you know, all the other kids, it wasn't like I was just yeah, um, you know, singling him out. No, no, but, it's uh, interesting he's, though. It's he's interesting. hearing he's hearing dad's yeah, voice, not yeah. the coach's yeah, voice. Yeah, it's interesting how that yeah. plays out. And hundred percent understand. And yeah, and so it was sort of there was one day in particular where he sort of warned me, and then he just, I said, "Come on, Arch," and. Uh, 
And he just said, that's it, and just walked off mid-game. Wow. And, and just and looking at me the whole time, just went and sat down, cross-legged, sat next to me. He go, that's it, that's it for me today. That's a strong stance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was uh, – it was an eye opener, but uh, you know I've talked to other people since then, and it's, it's apparently it's a common thing. But you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know whatever he wants to do. But that's but maybe I've got to think about just with him. It, it doesn't apply to him. Yeah, look, our, our kids are not dissimilar, mate. I know. I, I mean, like this dagger story. There's lots of shooting. We've daggers got we've got plenty of daggers and on our sideline, and, <laughs> and and we only like you, but positive, we're positive responses. Positive. Yeah, but the daggers do. But come the out. daggers do come. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes a stop and a stare, like literally stop in the middle of the game and look across and go. Well, they are the daggers. Yeah, when you're uh, – anyway, that's that's part of parenthood and learning, isn't it? And perhaps that's why yeah. your dad did what he did. You're not getting in any trouble if you don't say anything at all. I mentioned how uh, how he disciplined me, like, with sport. Mm. He, he also encouraged me. Like, I, uh, I was not a fan of school, but I'm glad, you know, he really emphasised on, on education. And he was always adamant, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, sports are good, but, you know, they get organised in the classroom mm. first. You know, by the end of year 10, I was I was ready to go. I just did not like the look of what, what was coming with the, the HSC and everything. So I said, look, I'm going to, you know, I want to leave school and I'll get a trade. He goes, you know, what, you'll electrocute yourself. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not handy. But, but I was just thinking anything and say, so he's going, no, nah, you're, you're, uh, you're going to school and, you know, it'd be good for you. And like, of course it is. And uh, so I went and then uh, one day at, in my PE class, one of the former students was taking our class that had left a few years before and, and he was massive. And I was going, where have you been? And he said, oh, I've been playing American football over in, um, I'm, I'm going to college I went over as an as, as an exchange student and got a scholarship and I'm playing college football and I was like you can do that and I went, how and he said oh if you're interested you know I can you know I can show you how and so we went through it and I went to my dad and I said how about I go to America and play American football and go to school and and dad goes that's a great idea <laughs> and and I just went wow yeah, and, and I was 16, and so I went, yes, like I just I found, found, my loop, yeah, yeah. found the loophole out of school and uh, went over there, and it was just the best experience I've ever had. It was such a privilege just being there, just experiencing another culture. Where did you go? San Diego. What school did you go to? Valhalla High School in San Diego, and so I went there as an exchange student and, you know, played Played uh, played football and and you know got got to see it from the inside out. It was it was it was amazing. It was it was such an experience. And you know, there's no way in hindsight I'd let my kids go over at the same age and and do it because you know I just think of how young you know 16 is. But at that time, you know, my parents were cool enough just to trust me and let me go. And it, you know, I, I think about it all the time and still in touch with friends that I've got over there. But it, I was, I was so lucky, you know, just to have, you know, parents with a foresight and vision just to know what a good opportunity it was. So uh, that sounds like an amazing experience and certainly um, one of our children has her sights set on going to uni in America, uh, which uh, hopefully that works out for her. But uh, tell us what you're doing now and, and in what, you, what you've gone on to do from, from that and perhaps that was part of 
has influenced what you've gone on to do. You know, just having that actually, you know, just even going to boarding school, going to being an exchange student just gave me a better world vision. You know, I just sort of matured and worked out, you know, my parents actually did know what they were talking about. Hopefully that works out for us one day because we're at the point where we don't know what we're talking about, according to our children. Yeah, and, and it was like, uh, you know, I, I gave them headaches, but my parents hung in there and, you know, they were patient with me. And so, you know, I did work out that they, you know, they everything they were telling me, they were telling me because they cared and they invested so much time in me. And, yep. and so, you know, after after sort of trying to make it happen with my own sporting career, getting injured and stuff, and, you know, it didn't work out. But the first thing I thought, like, you know, I was just, unprepared for life and so I just you know I'd been striving for for the goals that I had and so but yeah at the, at the same time I, I just didn't have anything to fall back on so that's why I went um I went back to school did my HSC again yeah. and got into university and did my degree in sports journalism mm-hmm. and that's uh that's why I've been doing that ever since and um and I'm actually back at uni now just um upskilling. Hats off to you. Hats off to you. John and I were talking about it offline saying, you know, what a great, uh, great adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, I'm upskilling, just getting in touch with the digital world that's sort of happened since I graduated from uni. And, you know, it's, uh, it's really interesting. I'm glad I'm doing it. It's exactly where I need to be, you know, to brush up and, you know, make a, you know, weakness of strength and, it's it's good it's like uh but that's the thing i go back to my teenage years and you know the the emphasis my my parents put on education i'm so glad they did because i totally understand where they're coming from now and and it's and it's good just seeing my kids you know just the lockdown last year you know it's it's really been really funny the the two compare the two years mm-hmm. have been in comparison to each other they've been completely different in complexion yep. And, and just seeing the way my kids handled the first lockdown, it was um, it was awesome. We, we were like a little yep. gang that, you know, yep. we used to do, do school in the mornings. We'd go to the park and play in the afternoon. We'd take the soccer balls and the uh, touch footballs we'd play. And just seeing how the, they improved academically and also athletically, was it was awesome. You know, they went back when, when the lockdown was over. They went back to their teams and just totally excelled, and 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 in the classroom especially, that was the the best mm-hmm. thing. Just you know, my my son was you know a little astronaut chasing space shuttles in the classroom. You know, he uh, before then, you know, he just was one of those kids that I I could relate mm-hmm. to because I was thinking that that's exactly how I was. And but um, you know, just having the the one on ones, you know, time with him during lockdown. When he went back to school, it was like the penny dropped and, you know, he was getting merit awards, you know, and, and all the kids have really gone well. And um, and then it's gone into this yeah. season and, uh, you know, with training and training uh, with, with, with their teams and everything, they're playing really well. And, and then the, the season yeah, just ended abruptly. Yep. But the lockdown experience is just totally different. It's it's just like inmates that have just worked out, you know, the the weaknesses in the in the cell. Oh, don't even get me started on lockdown. It's very, very. I'm I'm at I'm at exhaustion point. 
I guess just finally, um, you know, there is so much to unpack from what you've said, but I guess to distill it into um, one question, if you had one piece of advice for sports parents, what would it be? The best advice I could give is just to take advantage of it. There's so many of my friends that are, that because um, I, I had kids a little later than a lot of my friends, their their kids have grown up and, you know, they were excited for me, you know, when they, as my kids were young and they were just getting of age to play sports and they just go, oh, you're going to have the best time. You know, this is, I wish I could turn it back and do it all again. And, and that's one thing that I've really been conscious of. And, you know, I just remember just how my family was when I was growing up and it was just, you know, it was, it was celebrated, you know, and I, I grew up with other kids whose parents weren't interested and I sort of feel, felt sorry for, for them uh, missing out on that sort of experience, you know, that where the parents are locked in and involved. And so I felt privileged in that situation and and I just knew that I, I, I couldn't wait for it to happen and, and it's been everything and more, you know, just, just being involved just you know, seeing seeing them seeing them just sort of learn some lessons, you know, like that's what I think's yep. best about sport. Just learning, you know, the ups and downs and everything, and just what what happens when you do apply yourself, you know, and you improve, and you know, just seeing fruits of their labour, you know, just seeing what what it's uh, seeing them know that you know if you work at something, you know, you, you are rewarded. That's gold. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sports Parenthood. Please leave a review, share with your friends, or visit our website, sportsparenthood.com.au, to connect. Catch you next week.